You're listening to Golf Yeah, your masterclass in the lives, lessons, and aspirations of people who've built successful businesses and rewarding careers based on their love for the game of golf. Whether it's the obstacles they faced, the success they've achieved, or advice they offer, Golf Yeah provides the motivation and blueprint to convert your passion for golf into a full or part-time endeavor. Or maybe you just enjoy hearing stories from people who know a hell of a lot about the game. Either way, let's start exploring the business side of golf with your host, Gordon Andrew. Jane Spicer is the person behind a classic American success story. Over the past 40 years, she's built one of the golf industry's most successful global companies and in the process has become a role model for entrepreneurs both men and women. Jane started out at 10 years old, making and selling puppets at local weekend arts and craft shows so that she could buy a sailboat. And at one of those shows, someone suggested her puppets would make great head covers. So she gave it a try, and through sheer tenacity and a little bit of luck, Jane has grown her Arizona-based Daphne's head covers into a company that sells nearly 200 types of animal head covers in 75 countries. You're likely to find a Daphne's display, and sometimes two, at almost any golf store, golf club, or resort pro shop. Jane's most famous head cover, and the one that has helped fuel her company's success, is Frank the Tiger, which is one of the most recognized head covers in the world, thanks to Tiger Woods, or more specifically, to Tiger Woods' mother. In fact, mothers have always played an important role in Jane's life story, and I'm going to let Jane explain why. So Jane, welcome to Golf Yeah! Thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Your story's been written up and, and told in, in a lot of different places, notably and most recently in Golf Magazine. But I was hoping you could give our listeners a two or three minute backstory, quick backstory. Oh, I'd be happy to. You know, like you said, I started my first company when I was 10. I asked my mom, Daphne, for a sailboat. And she said, think of a business, earn it yourself. So um, with her help and guidance, um, I made stuffed toys and sold them, bought a little 16-foot sailboat as a 10-year-old and discovered I liked making my own money and being um, in charge of my own destiny. And so the the toys morphed into puppets, and I sold them at arts and craft shows. And there, as, as you mentioned, somebody suggested we make golf club covers. At that point, I was almost 16, and my mom bribed me and said, if you make enough of these, I'll buy you a car. Um, and I really, really wanted a car. So I made some. I went to the local a golf sh- a country club here, Arizona Biltmore. There's still an account of ours, and which I so appreciate. Um, gave a really bad sales pitch. And the director of golf was very, very kind. He didn't kick me out of the shop and he gave me some tips. He bought for me, sent me to two other people. I started selling. I bought the car and the business grew. I did it through high school and college. I sold head covers basically for beer money. And when I got out of uh, college, I got a real job and I didn't like it. People would say things. I'd say, how are you? And they'd say, I'm fine for a Monday. And I didn't get that, Gordon. It's like, why? It's a brand new day. So they looked at me like I was nuts. So I called my mom and I said, I don't fit here. And so I sold my car. I bought a cargo van that had two seats and an AM radio. And I went on the road for six years. I was selling puppets on the weekend at arts and craft shows, big festivals where 500,000 people would come. And then that provided me the cash to buy the raw material for head covers. And along the way and on the road, I would stop at golf courses and get accounts. So I lived on the road for six years doing that. And then I had enough business to come off the road. 
the head cover business was soaring bit by bit. The puppet business was going to the side. I just couldn't do both. And then just bit by bit grew. And then we heard rumors that there was this great golfer that was carrying Daphne's. His name was Tiger. And then he won the Masters um, in 97. And that really, really helped put us on the map. It also made us valid because a lot of women had been carrying us. And then when you've got this young athletic buck who's carrying things and, you know, he's got it, the more men started to carry it. We continued to grow. And now here we are. It's This is our 40th year in business. 2019 was a banner year for Daphne's. We're still growing. And I bought the sailboat, I bought the car, and I'm still selling head covers. Okay. So, so much for overnight success stories. I mean, you were, you were a grinder. I mean, yes. you, six years working out of a van, that's hard work. Oh, absolutely. And it was very different. My friends were all buying their Jettas and dressed beautifully and going to their cool offices. And I was covered in fur, always had an uneven tan that wasn't from golf. It was from you know selling on the street. But it was it was like getting my MBA, dealing with everybody face to face. I learned so much about customer service and people, and I could handle anything after that time on the street. Talk to me a little bit about puppets. Were these hand puppets? These aren't yeah. marionette puppets. No, no, they were all hand puppets made essentially out of the same fur, different quality. It's it's the Daphne's quality is amazing now, but it was um, fur. So we had things like um, turtles that pulled their head in and out of the shell, um, bunny rabbits, uh, koala. I worked with a lot of play therapists and there's a big market within play therapy and with teachers saying, what do you need? So there'd be a shark for aggression. The turtle would be shy when it pulled its head in, you know, bunnies that made people smile, but they were just soft and small. You know, my least expensive puppet was $2 and that was a tickle piggy. And my most expensive was a great big wraparound monkey that was $20. Okay. Do kids still play with puppets or is it mostly therapists using them for those purposes? Question. I hope so because they're so creative. It's you know since I've moved away from that world, I I don't know. Um, I do see a lot of puppets in bookstores. Bookstores are one of my favorite places to just wander. And when I'm in one, I see puppets there. They they really offer a lot for creative play and imagination. Yeah. Do you still make puppets? No, no time. So it took you six years to realize that there was a bigger market out there. You continued to sell the puppets out of the van for six years. Is that? Yeah. So weekend arts and craft shows and that's where I sold. And, you know, the van was my um, staging area. And then I'd set up, set up a booth, you know, whether it was San Francisco or Austin or Aspen or I was all over. Um, But yeah, so that was, that provided me the cash to buy the raw materials. But the more I traveled, the more golf courses I saw, Gordon, and those were those are awesome orders. I you know they just came into the house and I could ship them. I didn't have to drive sixteen hours to a festival. So um, I realized there was a bigger market and it was a more sustainable lifestyle. The life on the road, it was hard. And as you probably learned, golfers will pay anything for golf equipment or things. Doodads, golf doodads, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the golf head cover market? Um, I won't mention a brand name, but I, I was raised on uh, handmade knit head covers with big pom-poms. That's a great company. Yeah, I've been around for a long time. I was at the PGA show, and I was amazed at the vast number of head cover companies there are. They don't make animals, most of them. How is it segmented, or how big is it? You know, that's a great question. We all need head covers. Um, I personally think everybody should have several. That's why I love hybrids because you can carry more. Um, But I do bring my bias into it. Uh, Head covers are a personal expression. Um, At Daphne's, we think, first of all, first and foremost, ours is the best quality head cover. 
in the world in that the lining and the attention that we take to it protects your expensive club. So when you're throwing your clubs in the car or they're hitting each other, um, you know, um, when you're in the cart, they're protected. Um, but it's also a personal expression. You know, are you, do you have a certain look to your bag? Do you want things to match uh, what makes sense for your lifestyle? So I think that when somebody pulls up with a golf bag, they're starting to show their personality. They're, they're conversation starters. You know, if somebody's got a yellow lab and you have a yellow lab, you're going to say, oh, you, why do you have a yellow lab? Yeah. Yeah. And within five minutes, you'll know each other's dog names. And you probably think, I, you know, I've got something in common. You'll have made a connection. So yeah. I think that head covers are very much a part of, in addition to the purpose that they serve, and they must protect your golf clubs, it's it's a way to show your individuality or style. Yeah. And I think one of the things that the Tigers adoption, use of the of Frank said to serious golfers, guys, you know, with plus handicaps, is that it's okay to do silly things like that. You know what I mean? You don't have to have Titleist head covers for your Titleist drivers that it's you know, having fun with the game is, was okay. To be a human being, you know, it, you can throw the, the macho nonsense away and come and be the thing that makes you interesting that you have a, a, a tiger cause you love tiger or you went to Clemson or you were in Japan and that's your spirit animal. You know, you learn those things. So it, it allows you to be human and, you know, if you're in a foursome, sometimes it's it's hard to have a conversation. It's a great conversation starter. Can you get a little bit deeper on the, the story about Tiger Woods' mother and how she really was the person who started it? Tiger didn't go buy the head cover. Mrs. Woods couldn't always be there as Tiger traveled. You know, it's, it's a busy life. It's the things that you're doing different things. And she wanted him to know that she was always there. So she bought the head cover and at Big Canyon Country Club in Newport and sewed love from mom on it so that wherever he was, he knew that she was there with him. So I just, I think it's a beautiful sentiment. And, you know, from there I would get calls, you know, they'd say, well, we need some tigers and Mrs. Woods is in the shop with me. Do you have a tiger for her? You know, and of course the answer was yes. She would give him a new one every year. Is that Mm -hmm. part of the story? Yeah. That's right. That's right. Did she hand sew that message herself? Yeah, she did. And actually, it was very sweet. And she's a wonderful woman to deal with and very kind. And I had said, please let me send them to you um, unlined so you can sew them on so the fit's just perfect. And so it, maybe it's easier for you. And she's like, you know, I lead a really busy life. No, just send me some and I'll do it as I can. So I actually keep years ago, I walked through the office and I heard somebody say, uh, somebody who worked for me who wasn't a golfer, I heard her say, I don't care if her name is Mrs. Woods. We're sold out of Tigers. <laughs> no. And I ran to the phone and it was a corded phone and I was pulling it out of their hands. But no, 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 right, no. Right. And we were sold out of Tigers, Gordon. We didn't have any. And I said, it's no, no, we'll get her some. So at that point, I took six Tigers and I hid them in a closet in my office. And I still have six in here so that whatever happened, whatever spike, that nobody would ever say that to Mrs. Woods again. Right. Now, part of the backstory is American Express ordered something like 30,000 after he won his first master's. Is that true? They didn't say who they were. Um, They actually bought through a third party. I just got a phone call and making animal head covers. You get, there's a lot of Lulu's that will call with kind of funny requests. So to be quite honest, I thought it was another Lulu. And they said, we'd like 30,000 head covers, um, 10,000 at a time. And we'd like to pay you a premium. We'd like to pay a little bit more so we can get in front of the line. And so I said, okay. And because we'd had so many Lulu's called, we had a process. And so I said, well, 
no problem. Send me 50% up front and I'll do it. And I hung up and I went back. I was super busy. So I just worked and didn't think about it. And the next day FedEx came and there was an envelope and I opened it up and the check was in there. It was, it was the biggest oh I've ever seen in my life. And I opened it up. I even held it up to the light to see if it was good, which doesn't do anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> At that point I was in a, a warehouse and I had a, there was a, a home attached to it that I'd been renting out. That was kind of my plan B if things didn't work. I had the rental and that house had turned into the office. So the file cabinets were in the bathtub, fax machine was in the kitchen. And I ran to the warehouse where all my staff was. There were three steps and I ran up the steps and I caught my foot on the top step, flew over the top, crumbled down to the bottom. So they heard all this crash and they came out and I'm sitting there. I had bloody knees, bloody elbows, holding the FedEx envelope. And and they're looking at me and I said, guys, we just got really, really busy. (laughs) We got really busy. Right. Yeah. And that was that. What were they going to do with them? What, What did American Express do with them? This was for their um, premier members for um, golf trips. Oh, so, okay. How, how do you make how do you make thirty thousand t- Frank the Tigers quickly? Oh, it was hard. Well, the other part was I just bought another building, um, a much bigger building. In fact, the one that I'm talking to you now, it's been Daphne's headquarters for twenty two years. All the sewing machines were in bubble wrap. There was no production going on. So we were in the middle of a move. So basically, I reached out to every sewer that I knew in the valley, you know, right away. I placed a fur order and they called me and said, I think you made a mistake. You ordered so much fur, Jane. What are you doing? I said, no, I need it. And I need it yesterday. And so we did a variety of things. I hired anybody and everybody in the Phoenix area that could sew. I worked with a company in Mexico. They would come in the evening and I would teach them how to sew. And then we would cut everything. We'd load their truck to the top and then they would go to Mexico and sew and come back up. I worked around literally around the clock. I slept in the office. There wasn't time to go home and because I could run, keep keep things moving the entire time. I love your story because it just it just demonstrates that having a successful business means you need, you need to do a lot of hard work. And it, it's, there's, it's not all glory from day one. It's it's earned. It wasn't glamorous. I missed many, many friends' weddings and things, um, you know, along the way, um, a lot of things. But, you know, when do you have this opportunity? Um, and I just knew I needed to seize it. I mean, first of all, I make a living making animal head covers. I mean, how crazy is that? Right? <laughs> somebody who's getting to be known as the greatest golfer in the world carries my head cover. You know, there was no way that I was going to do anything other than give it 110 yeah. percent. Um, and so I did. Now, you have a lot of pros, both on the, the men and women's tours sure. who carry your, your head covers. Mm-hmm. Has any one of them tried to replicate what Tiger did in terms of being associated with his or her head cover? Or, oh, sure. or is there one that's come closest to that? Um, I don't know that any have come closest. Um, they all have them again for, for different reasons. You know, Aaron Badley um, carries a koala. We had a koala for years. I even had a koala puppet first. And he's responsible for our great koala design because he put us in touch with Save the Koala, who Daphne still supports. And they would send us close-ups. I d- designed something and he'd say, no, I don't think it's quite right. And then Save the Koala would send us like close-ups of an actual koala ear. And then I'd go back to work. Okay. Uh, so we did that. We also designed a, um, a Bubba Watson head cover, and Bubba was very active in creating that. He had a boys band, and so it was Bubba in overalls with no shirt, things like that. Padraig Harrington carries our ladybug. Um, what is, what's the story behind that ladybug? I, oh, I love it. I love it. So he won the Open, 
and his son came rushing out with a ladybug and stuck it in the beautiful trophy. A live and, ladybug. Yes. And okay. it was lots. No, not a live ladybug, our head cover. Stuck it in there oh. and there were tons of pictures of them. So that became and and this is for me is so meaningful. It became their father's son head cover. So Patrick's son carries it, Patrick carries it. It marked that moment and they both carry it. It's you know, kind of their bond and signifying his son celebrating that moment. Okay. Is is Tiger the only one who's let's say allowed to carry Frank the Tiger on the tour? I mean, is there, are there any legal because that's part of his brand now, his personal brand. part of his brand. Um, anybody can buy the tiger from Daphne's. And, you know, obviously it won't say love from mom on it. Right. Um, now, when he signed with Titleist, Titleist did have us make tigers that said love from mom on them. Those were mass produced. But the cool thing, and as a mom, this touches me, Tiger never carried the mass produced one. He only ever carried the one that his mom embroidered. Oh, okay. So, isn't that neat? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you can you can carry a tiger. Um, that's made by Daphne. So you're carrying the exact same tiger that Tiger carries, um, except that, of course, his has, has been touched with love from his mom. Yeah. So are there legal protections on your designs? Yes. We All our designs are copyrighted, and I hold – I have them copyrighted all over the world. And, and fortunately or unfortunately, I have intellectual property attorneys all over the world. And I, I, I would imagine you write checks every month for those guys, right? They're chasing. They put their kids through private school. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, conversely, for example, I know you have um, the gopher that's associated with Caddyshack movie. Mm-hmm. Did you have to get permission to use that design? Did, did... We did it first. Oh, really? You had the head cover before the movie came out? Yeah, complete fluke. So you should be suing them, right? <laughs> no? It's all celebrate each other. How's that? Yeah. Okay, fine. So you have a lot of pros listed on your website as customers. Do you seek their permission to showcase them? Um, yeah, sure. We ask them. You know, the nice thing is, is that no, they're they're carrying Daphne's. They can carry anything that they want. And so for me, it makes my day. You know, the golf channel is on all the time. Um, we're always watching golf. And and my staff and I will text each other. Hey, did you know so-and-so is carrying this head cover? So we have these wonderful surprises. But sometimes the, the pros come to us. Sometimes their agents do. Sometimes their caddies do. Sometimes a friend or a family member does. So they come in a lot of different ways. Or they'll send us a picture. You know, Dustin Johnson, sent, we got a picture of his black lab. And then um, Paulina, his wife's darling, Frenchie. You get to know them in that way, but they, you know, we'll say, hey, can we mention you? Or will you send a picture? And they're all so kind, Gordon. They're all, yeah, no problem. Here's a picture of us, or here's our dog, and here it is. And uh, very nice. And they'll do nice posts on on social media. They're a lot of nice people. They don't ask for compensation to to carry your head covers or to be featured on your website? No. No. Are there any golf nuts out there who have every one of, first of all, what is the number now? How How many total designs do you currently sell? Um, I think right now we have 108 designs. Yeah, and if you go to our website, it's daphnesheadcovers.com. You'll see all of them. And we're always putting new in. So each year, anything, if it wasn't a really hot mover, so they're all bestsellers on there, Gordon. And if they didn't move super fast, they come off and then others come on. So I'm always introducing new designs. But I think at this point, we have 108 designs, hybrid um, okay. and, and driver. Is there anyone out there who, or a group of people who collect all of them? 
Oh, yeah, we get great pictures and we post them up on our social media, which I think is a super fun site to, to follow because you'll get people and their bag is full or they'll show the garage and, you know, they've got their, their stand with their golf clubs and then they've got the wall and then they pick them. So, you know, you're feeling just strong. You might put the tiger on the bag or do like I do. I carry the owl on my three wood because if I'm wise, I just remember to only hit that club. But yeah, we've got a lot of people that collect and they collect over the years. So they'll show us pictures of, you know, vintage head covers and they all have different meanings to them. So I love getting those pictures. So how do you decide what new animals to design to? Do you do research or it must get harder because you're running out of animals, right? Thankfully, the, the animal kingdom is vast, but we just listen to our customers Daphne's is here because we're good listeners. So we write down, it's a very scientific process. We have a whiteboard and we write, write down all the suggestions over the year with tally marks beside it. And then the one that has the most tally marks at the end of each year, we try to design. And I say try to, because sometimes we're able to do it and we nail it. And other times we know it's going to have to wait for another year. And things come and go. You know, Years ago, everybody wanted a schnauzer. Then they didn't. Then they do yeah. again. So things come and go popularity for dogs or certain animals that are in, you know, so, so we have, I have versions of, you know, I I think I have five versions of a squirrel. Yeah. As they come and go. Who does the design? I work with the design team. So I have a hand in every single design and I have a design team in all my factories. I'm start and finish and have my hand in on every single one of them. Okay. Other than Frank, the tiger, what's the second most, second most popular head cover? Um, you know, it ebbs and flows. I'd say right now it's the gopher. It's a gopher. Uh, have there been any, let's call it total failures, where you put it out there and it's like zero interest? Yeah. You know, you design something and this is going to be great. And then it takes you seven years to sell the first round. But over the years, I've gotten better and I've gotten smarter. I've realized, don't you know, I can't be in love with my design and my idea, you know, that might have been created over two glasses of wine. Um, you know, it needs to be, I, it's just the listening factor really helps. If I'm listening yeah. to our people, then I can create things that they love. Okay. How much of your business, I know you do custom corporate and groups, head covers for those mm-hmm. uh, organizations. What, what percentage of your business does that account for? You know, maybe it's 20%. And those are, are um, you know, if you have a logo, you know, we just did uh, the Hilton Head Mole House. We've done a Caterpillar uh, Bulldozer, which was really interesting to make in fur. So, you know, a corporate uh, event will come and say, hey, we want our logo done. And it's awesome because we all have shirts and shirts are great. But what do you see, you know, when the cameras come around, you see Ever, and it's unique. So we do a lot so that we create your logo right into a head cover. And then it's a talking point too. Hey, I got to go to this event or I worked for this corporation or I sponsored this charity. So we love doing those. We do all the small ones here in our Phoenix factory. Um, the larger orders I'll do either in, in Indonesia or in China, um, but lots of detail and it's personalized and nobody else can get it. So I'll make one and my friends will go, oh, that was so cool. Can I have one? <laughs> have, you, have you done like an Aflac duck or a Geico gecko? Have you done those those sorts of animals? Yeah, those, but, you know, with lot, lots of other things. We did the blue dragon for um, Doral um, and we did those in head covers. And we also did six foot blue monster, fully stuffed, huge, bigger than me. Um, they were absolutely fabulous. Um, then we can small. We just did a... Um, we took a, a a logo that was a St. Bernard and we did head covers. We did stuffed toys and then keychains. Um, so, you know, they, we can do a lot of different things. As long as it's in, in plush, we can create your logo into whatever you'd like. 
Have Have you ever been asked to a head cover that you refuse to do for reasons? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. It, it, everything has my mom's um, name on it. it. You'll see. You'll know it's Dafty's because there's a signature on there. And if it's something that I wouldn't put my mom's name on, we just say no, thank you. So at one time you had a hundred employees in Arizona, yeah. but now most of your production is over is overseas. Yes. Correct. Mm-hmm. Is that problematic dealing with overseas production apart from what's going on disease wise? Um, no, no. You know, it, it was something I really, really struggled with. I'm the daughter of immigrants and my parents came here for the American dream. So having to shift and move the production, I fought for a really, really long time. Um, and then there was just no way I could do it. I didn't, I couldn't have the raw materials The I, we couldn't, it just couldn't be done here. Um, I found wonderful partners in China um, and in Indonesia, uh, just great people. So I am providing jobs. I'm providing jobs all over the world now. And we still manufacture here in Phoenix. But yeah, it was a big transition. It was one that we had to do, but I haven't had, I found good, loyal, honest, kind partners um, and and have enjoyed working with them. Has COVID affected your ability to manufacture overseas? Oh, sure. I mean, when China went into quarantine, you know, there was a month where they were all shut down, you know, but at the same time, after they went through it, and I said, I think we're going into it. They were such kind guides. Okay. Hey, Jane, go stock up on food. Make sure you have enough pet food. You know, they, they guided us and couldn't have been, been kinder about it. So yeah, I mean, we had a delay on that end and then they had a delay on this end saying, us saying, Hey, you know, hold on for a little bit. So, you know, where, whether you're affected by your neighbor, it's also global now, Gordon, you know, whether it's across the ocean or next door, we were all affected in some way. And I, I've just found my partners to be very, very loving and kind and understanding about it because they went through it. And now we're going through it. Has demand worldwide been affected by the disease? I mean, for example, in Jersey, they just opened up courses, but in yeah. Arizona, where you live, they've been open all along, right? So, yeah. but it must have affected demand. Oh, sure. Well, the golf courses were open, but the pro shops were closed. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was certainly quieter. You know, it really was. And all we, we really wanted was for everybody to come back healthy. And so, you know, you we did different things. We uh, my big goal was how do I help? I felt frightened and, and helpless. And I thought, well, what I can do is I can pay all my people. And if I can pay all my people the entire time, then they can help the economy and they can move forward. And I was really fortunate that I was able to do it. My people were willing and able to do different things. You know, we switched here and we began um, manufacturing masks in Phoenix for one of my mentees. So that can float. She has a, um, it's a, com- a beautiful company called Soul Carrier and their designer handbags. Well, they're all sold in resorts and all the resorts closed. So she said, Hey, would you help me make masks? And that by us helping her kept all my production here working. So, you know, we did, we just, flexed. Um, we got through it. We're all back at the office with protocols, um, hand sanitizer and hand soap everywhere, um, taking no visitors. But, you know, we we got through or are just grateful to be back. Do you see it coming back over the past couple of weeks? Have you seen any uptick or back to normal? Anything? Um, it well, it's yeah, we're very busy. So I'm, I'm super grateful. But it's so random. You know, we'll we'll hear from Usually you'll hear as, as people go into season, it's like, oh, my gosh, New England is busy. Or, you know, I should be hearing from everybody where you are in New Jersey. I should have heard from them last month. But it will be it, we're picturing the United States map as popcorn kernels. And they're just the random pops, you know, that are coming up as people go. So it's not one area. It's and we'll see in this and zip codes, which is fascinating to me when I think about 
one's attitude in life. Insane zip codes will have somebody that calls say, I'm so busy. I'm selling Daphne's like crazy. And the next zip code, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know what's going to happen. There's no business. You know, what is that? It interests me. So let's talk about a happier subject. You mentioned before we started recording that you had been to a driving range this morning and had been, what did you tell me in seven years? Yeah, I played one round of golf in seven years. And so, and I live on a golf course and I talk golf all day long. I watch golf and I run a golf company. So what prompted you to pick up a club again after seven years? Well, it's time. It's, it's, I love golf. I love everything about it, but you know, I'm, uh, I'm a single mom running a couple companies, um, taking care of my kids. And so my focus is, was where where it should be. So, you know, my oldest, my son has graduated from college and is is successful and happy doing his thing. My daughter's in her second year of university. And um, so they're doing their own thing. So it freed up the time to get back and, and play a sport that I love. Neither of them are involved in the business or want to be? There, well, with the, my family rule is that they've got to go to college and then work for somebody else for five years before they're even even eligible for employment at Daphne. Yeah, I think that's. That being said, my son handles all of our social media um, advertising and things, and and he's doing a fabulous job. Oh, that's great! Now, you mentioned uh, earlier with the koala bear uh, cover, your company does a lot of charitable work. Can you talk a little bit about that? I know you have three, at least three or four causes going at all times. Yeah. Don't you have an autism-related campaign also? We do. We do a variety of things. Um, my mom, Daphne, raised me with the the phrase, we must do good while we're doing well, it was hugely important to her. And so that became Daphne's core value. So we we work closely with Ernie Els and Els for Autism. A portion of our proceeds for our lion go to that and wonderful people to work with. We worked with Aaron Batley with Save the Koala, and now we are just separately. Um, a portion of all our koala sales are going to the uh, Australian Koala Foundation to help them recover all the koalas that were hurt from the devastating fire. So, yeah, we do a lot of different things. We've done some projects with my dear friend Dottie Pepper over the years. We did a rescue dog. Dottie and I are both huge animal lovers, and we share that. So I modeled the rescue dog after her beloved dog, JP, and we donated money to to societies to help with all the animals that were displaced with the floods in Houston. So we're, we're constantly looking and listening. Um, and then it's with my staff. We're working. I um, mean, you know, I lost my mom to cancer. Um, several people here have lost family members. So we work with um, Maurice Allen, the world long drive champion, and he is the American cancer society's man in pink this year. So we have a, a bright pink. It's awesome dragon and a portion of the proceeds goes to support them and we get to work with Maurice on it who's very passionate and a joy to work with so we're always doing something just to to help yeah we're I think we're here to help yeah and and we must and I'm able to do it through this vehicle What, what do you think you would be doing if if this career path hadn't opened up for you have you thought about that or um, I'd be an entrepreneur of some type. I, I, I don't do very well being told what to do. <laughs> you didn't go to Catholic schools, did you? No. Yeah, it's, okay. I would be thrown out the first day. Um, <laughs> or, or I'd still be in timeout. Yeah, it, it would be something It would be something entrepreneurial. So what, what's next for you? I mean, you must get offers. You must have had offers to buy the company. And do you plan to retire at some point? Uh, I guess I'm... You know, my advisors say that's something I'm supposed to think about. Yes, um, exit strategy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love this. I love it. I want to do this for at least 10 years more. 
and then maybe 10 more. I don't know. I, I do get offers to buy Daphne's. And, you know, if the, the, one of the kids don't take it over, then, you know, it'll be out there. And, and I hope it'll be somebody that would really nurture and, and love and spread, spread the good karma and joy and good quality that we do. Um, but right now I'm having the time of my life. I get to pick everybody I work with. I've handpicked everybody in my buildings that I work with, you know, yeah. and the kind, good, funny people. Um, I go to golf courses and it's called work. Right. <laughs> Right. Um, I've been mentored and made great friends along the way. Um, and now I get to mentor. So this is probably, I've always enjoyed it, but this is probably the most fun I've had at it, Gordon. I'm right here and I'm loving it and I'm staying. So what, what is or has been the toughest part about running your own business? You know, the, the sacrifices, um, you know, all the things that you miss, especially when you're starting a business, you know, working around the clock, you know, I slept here and there because it gave me eight more hours if I could take little naps and then work through the night. The hardest thing is also the most wonderful thing. It's all on my shoulders. So my failures are mine. So you have to really own it and get authentic and real. Um, and the right. successes are mine too. So knowing that, you know, if something happened, people could go, go and get another job. I don't go and get another Daphne's if something happened. Words of advice for people that are thinking about starting your own business? Lessons learned or? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's, I'm a big, I'm an avid hiker and I liken it to hiking. Um, one year I decided I needed to work on um, being more consistent. So I committed to hiking a, a trail here in Arizona called Piestoa Peak every day for two years. And that was the greatest life lesson because some days I'd spring up and I was ready and I'd go up and I'd come back and I was fast. Other days I think, why am I even getting out of bed? You know, or I'd be hiking halfway through going, I really hate this. This is awful. And that's life and business. You know, some days it's raining, some days you're sick, some days it's awful, you're wondering why you do it. It's not going to be an easy journey. It's a worthwhile journey. And all the different things that you learn along the way that aren't intentional, you know, you're thinking, I'm going to get my product, I'm going to get my service out there. But it's all the things that you become on the way to what you're doing that are 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 invaluable, you know, and that's how you build your, like Glennon Doyle, the author says, how you build your most truest and most beautiful life is having those obstacles. You know, the uh, the universe says, asks you how bad do you want it? That's what an obstacle is. And you say, okay, I don't want it that bad. And that's fine if you don't. Or it's, you know, I want to get out of my way. I'm going over or under or whatever it takes. If you want it, it's not for sissies. Um, but if it's in you all the time and it eats at you and you can't stop and it's your voice that you think about all the time, then it's put there for a reason and you must follow it. That's really great. I really love your story. I have one last question. Is there something on your bucket list that remains or that you would like to accomplish before you either pack it in there or pack it in, period? You know. I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I would like to, and I plan to and I will, uh, write a book that helps entrepreneurs realize their dreams. Oh, cool. Um, has not been... There was no venture capitalist. Um, I didn't study business in school. I studied art. And I'd like to write a book about my journey to show people that that they can do it. And it doesn't have to be you have the financiers all lined up and you can. That's fine. But if you want to do it, whatever it is. And I mean, again, I make animal head covers for a living and I've founded a, you know, a global company uh, that can do it. That would be my mom in in paper. My mom was the best mentor on the planet, encouraged me, pushed me out, picked me up from failures. Um, if I could give to people half the gift that my mom gave me in writing so that they could look at that, um, that's on my bucket list. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. I'll buy a copy of that. 
Okay. Okay. I know I've sold one then. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, thank This has been really great. I really appreciate your time. I think you have a great story. I love your attitude. And, and I think that it's so down to earth and real that people that are thinking about starting a business would really benefit from hearing you and reading your book when it, when it does come out. Thank you for having me. I appreciate so it. So thanks. And good luck with your business. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Golf Yeah, featuring another success story from the business side of golf. Maybe it's time to get more serious about making golf the center of your life, not just the highlight of your weekend. Head over to GolfYeah.com for more great content, including show notes, testimonials, and links to valuable resources. That's G-O-L-F-Y-E-A-H.com. 